There's a Bible verse that says, when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Adam Miller, folks, wasn't that nice? This is um, kind of a little bit of a, a carryover from our One Another series, but it's also a little bit different. I, I listen to that song a lot when we're away driving up to holidays when Josh was here and God just began to speak to me about the struggles that we have. You know, Jesus says at one stage in his ministry, and we can throw those scriptures up, I think it's the one after we walk in the light as he is in the light. So yeah, one more. There we go. Jesus says to the disciples at one stage, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. And you're sort of taken in isolation. It's like, what? What does that mean? What's that supposed to mean? But when I consider the concept of gravity, if we understand how gravity works, gravity is the attraction of a smaller mass to a larger mass. And we, we understand that our world is dominated by the, the moon and the sun and that causes gravity to walk on us. And obviously we know uh, Isaac Newton, I think in 1687 or something, was uh, standing in a field and he saw an apple fall from an apple tree and he went, what? What is that? And he, gave, he applied himself to that and understood the law of gravity. But when we talk about gravity as a metaphor, we find that there is indeed something in us, yeah? That gets attracted to stuff that we don't want to get attracted to. But the Bible says that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So in fact, gravity is a law that opposes the law of the spirit of life, the law of fellowship. And it's actually that, that selfish nature in us that hinders us sometimes from really coming into the, the full measure of that fellowship and that one another-ness, you know? We've, how many of us have experienced that? Times when we, we know we could have reached out and, and connected with someone, but come on. He was just selfish and he wouldn't do it. The, and so I, I just want to throw to another scripture there. Uh, no, go past that one. This is the one I want to get to. So Paul's writing about this and he, he's talking about his own life and it's a really interesting chapter. It's Romans chapter 7. And he uses the, the analogy of marriage and what happens when a woman dies in, in respect to the connection that she has with her husband? And he uses that as a picture to explain how, as we have died in Christ, that connection to our sinful human nature is no longer dominant unless we let it. And so this is what he writes. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. 
And it's a, it's a really interesting passage. And towards the end, right at the, the last part of that verse, Paul goes on to say in verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who's ever felt like that? We've all had those moments, haven't we? When we know that something drew us into something we didn't really want to do. And there's that sense of disappointment and wretchedness that comes. And, and dare I say, isolation. Because it's really difficult to be in that place of, ha ah, hi, how are you? Isn't it great? God's good. When you know that that gravity has had such a force on you. So he writes this. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Then in verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, I'm about to bring you to the best page turn in the whole Bible. So we go over one page and this is what he writes. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. Hey, that's good news. That is good news. We don't have to submit or yield to the law of gravity. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some stuff from Superman, if that's okay. I was a bit dubious about this because I was watching it with the, the grandkids the other night and I realised that the movie is, came out the same year we were married. And so it was 41 years ago. Young people, I know right now you're thinking, I can't imagine there ever being a day when I think back to something that happened 41 years ago in my life. Trust me, it will come upon you like a thief. Okay, let's go to the... Let's go over. So I've got, I've got four... Super suggestions from the story of Superman to help us defy the law of gravity. Is that okay? So here we go. We're going to go through them one at a time. Number one, realise you are here for a reason. In this scene, uh, Park Kent, who's named Jonathan, I think, Jonathan, was the, uh, the character's name, of course, Glenn, the great Glenn Ford, is talking to his son. He's just been in a situation where he has been at school and the, you know, the local football heroes been giving him a hard time and uh, the cheerleader girl who really likes him, uh, you know, he ends up getting kind of blown off and left behind. And um, so they're going up to play some music and Clark decides he's going to run and get there first. So, you know, he does the dust sort of thing and he's waiting at the fence when they get there and they're all going, how did you get here? Oh, I ran. And, uh, and as they take off, you know, you're really weird. And as they take off, his father looks at him and says, been showing off, son, have we? <laughs> and, and he, and he you know, goes into this thing about, Dad, you don't understand how, how hard it is. And he puts his arm around him and he says, Son, I don't know why you ended up here with us, but I know one thing. You are here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. But I guarantee you, it's not to score touchdowns in football. 
And that's the same for us. You know, we are here for a reason. If we go to the, the next slide, we, we see this wonderful passage in second, in First Peter. Peter writing a, a quote from the Old Testament talking about you and me. And he says this, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. If you don't know what your purpose here on earth is, start with this one. This is what God's called you to do. Now, the last couple of weeks we've been singing, don't mind me, I'm just doing my OCD thing and straightening the chairs. Um, the last couple of weeks we've been singing that great song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, or whatever the rest of the words are. Promise, sorry? My God, amen. Thanks. We've been singing that song, and, I, and, and when it was being led last week, I, I was just loving it, you know, I loved it again this week. But I was thinking, you know, that's, this is who we are. We are called to stand on a Sunday morning. Now, you think we come in here and the musicians are there and, and all they're doing is warming us up for the main event. But it's not true. It's not true. God has called us to come together in unity and to stand and to declare his praises into the atmosphere. Now, any of you who are on Twitter, you will know that there's lots of things being declared into the atmosphere that you probably don't like, that perhaps even make you angry, perhaps have caused you to take your phone and to throw it across the room. And, you know, there's, there's lots of media out there. I'm not talking about the media. I'm talking about media, medium out there that is, is putting out uh, information, and they're declaring the state of things that are contrary to the way God is. And so this is our opportunity every week to take some ground back in the spiritual atmosphere. So we stand and we declare waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. God, that's who you are. Even when I don't feel like you're working, I know you're working. Sometimes it's good for us to declare that over our lives, yeah? Even when I don't feel that I'm working. Anybody been in that place? Didn't feel like God was working? I was a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I had this thing at work and seriously, I, I almost rang up and asked for a mental health day. I was experiencing such anxiety through the night. I couldn't sleep. And um, I ended up about 4.30 in the morning, you know, just wiped out and finally fell asleep. And it's God help us. Remember that we are here for a purpose. Number one, remember that we are here for a reason. Who's ever tried to lose some weight? Anybody? How, how many of you have found that purpose triumphs over prohibition? You know, when your husband says, don't eat that, you'll get fat. You found that so releasing and so helping in your challenge. But then there's that thing, I'm going to my class reunion and that girl's going to be there and I'm going to get into that dress even if it kills me. Purpose triumphs over prohibition every time. Okay, number two. Reckon yourself 
dead to sin and alive to God. This is a really, really poignant scene. This is a scene after um, Superman's father's died. He's out sort of gazing off into the distance in the cornfield or the wheat field. And uh, and Martha Kent, his his adopted mother, comes out and she says, what are you thinking about? And he said, I'm thinking about leaving. And she says, yes, I knew this day would have to come. And he goes on this journey and goes up to the North Pole. You'll remember that. And he takes out the crystal and throws it into the snow. And hey, presto, the fortress of solitude comes up out of the snow. And in he goes and he meets the hologram of Jor-El, his father, who sent him from Krypton. And he begins to, to tell him, son, one of the things you, you know is that you, you've got some special abilities, but you, you don't know all of them. And so we're going to talk about knowledge and wisdom, but we're going to, I'm going to help you develop your abilities. He had to choose to walk away from his humanness, yeah? He had to choose to walk away from his humanness and engage who he was called to be. He had to reckon himself dead to sin and alive to God. Just just drop that verse. It comes up, Romans 6.11. Likewise also, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. One of the things I find about this verse is we tend to major we tend to major on the first part. We say, got to reckon myself dead to sin. Got to reckon myself dead to sin. Got to reckon myself dead to sin. I've got to stop doing that. Got to stop thinking about that. And we forget to engage the second part. I'm alive to God. I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not limited to what I used to be. I have got something in me. The Spirit of God. And that, that word there, reckon, that's a, an accounting word. And it's like when accountants do entries into ledgers and they'll reckon that amount as depreciation and they'll write it over into this column. And so this is what Paul's saying. He says, I want you to take your life, I want you to take it out of the sin column and I want you to make an entry in the God column. And say, this, this product, this, this substance, this entity that used to belong to sin has been translated, transferred from that column into a new column. The Bible puts it this way. We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his own dear son. So this is one of the, the second the second super point today. Be conscious to reckon you, yourself where you belong in God's column. Yeah. Okay. Number three. Remember you've been equipped by God. This is the the scene I alluded to. I didn't realize when I first watched the movie that he was up there for twelve years in the snow and didn't get cold. Or hungry. He was Superman. He really was. But in, the, in this scene, in this scene, as, as I said, he meets, he, he comes to face to face with his father Jorel and he begins to talk about all the things that are in him that make him different. 
He says you've been equipped with certain capacities and abilities. You have a, a, an incredible density in your molecular structure, which, which makes you impervious to pain and to, uh, and to destruction in the world that you found yourself in. And, and in the same way, God tells us the same thing. Let's go over to that other passage in Peter that comes up next. Peter, Peter writes, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I love that part. God's divine power has given us everything we need for godliness. What does that mean? Well, the ability to defy gravity when it comes to temptation and the pull of this world, God has already given us everything we need to do that. That's all we've got to do is plug it in. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. All we've got to do is plug it in. Plug it in. Here's an easy one. When you feel temptation coming upon you, you don't necessarily have to stand up, but it might be a good idea, especially if you're by yourself. It's to stand up and begin to declare the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into light. You know why? Because it's impossible to hold praise and temptation together in the same place. It's impossible. You cannot focus your mind on Christ and begin to declare his praises and keep thinking about the thing that's trying to get hold of your life. You can't do it. It's impossible. So whether you're in the car, just windows up, volume up, top of your voice. Whether you're in your bedroom, up on the bed, yelling out. I remember when uh, I read, who's read This Present Darkness? Anybody read that? It's, it's, a, it's a lot, it's an old, it's, yeah, it's like 40 years ago, Lou. It's like everything in my life, 40 years ago. <laughs> but... Some of you young people, it's, um, it's a book by Frank Peretti, correct? I, I recommend you read it. There's a section when they're in the, in the barn. <laughs> There's a scene when they're in the barn and all the angels are there and the angels say, uh, for, the, for the, some of the blood of Christ and the Lamb. I, when I was reading that book, I was on my bed, standing up on my bed. I wasn't married at this time. I was still a teenager. And I'm going, yes, yes. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. This power was given to us through the knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and integrity. Through his glory and integrity, next slide, he has given us promises that are of the highest value. Through these promises you will share in the what? As opposed to the human nature. Because you have escaped the corruption that sinful desires cause on the world. In other words, you are defying the law of gravity. Thank you. Oh, I do love it when they're with you. Or they're either with you or they're ahead of you wanting it to finish. It's one of the two. So some of these promises, he says, I will never leave you 
or forsake you. You'll receive power after the Spirit's come upon you. Listen to this one. It's in Corinthians. There is no temptation that overcomes you that is not common to man. But in every situation, God provides a way of escape so that you might endure under it. Sometimes that way of escape is the, um, Andy Stanley talks about the tension. You've got to mention the tension. So when you're about to not defy the law of gravity, there will be a tension in your spirit from the Holy Spirit. And he said, you have to pay attention to that tension. God will always provide a way of escape so that we might endure under it. So number three, remember that we have been equipped. Number four, this is the last one. Run from kryptonite. Run from kryptonite. All of us have got some kryptonite, haven't we? Might be a different colour, might be a different shape, might not be green. But in, in this scene, Clark, because of his naivety and his lack of guile, doesn't realise that Lex Luthor has got something waiting for him in the box, the lead line box. And he says, aha, Lex, you can't fool me. I know what's in that box. It's the controller for the missile. Wrong. And when Superman opened the box, what was there? The kryptonite. And he, he, he was weakened and almost destroyed. You know, in the next verse, Paul gives us some, some other advice. He's talking to Timothy and he says, young man, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with all those who call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart. I, I love this. I love the way... I love the way the Bible writes this relationship in, in all, of its, all of its comment and conversation. He says, don't just flee youthful lusts. Do it along with all those that are called with you. You know, there's a, there's a group of people here. And we're all running straight together. And when we stand to worship, we stand together. And when we're fighting something in prayer, we fight together. And so in this situation, together we flee the youthful desires. We flee from the kryptonite that's challenging us. So don't even entertain it. If you've had some victory over it, don't entertain the fact that you're victorious over it. Yeah, Just run away from it. When you feel it coming up on, upon you or you find yourself in a situation where that thing that you know has the power to get you, just leave. Just leave. Run away from it. And my very last slide. I always try and get my grandchildren into the slide. One of the things that uh, we need to remember as we defy the law of gravity is that we are those who have this spiritual treasure in common pots. That's Jonah, yeah. Cute, eh? See, he was only little there. The Superman suit was a tad big. As you can tell that because the hands are actually hanging down and the, the end of the gloves are down kind of here folded over. In order, we have this spiritual treasure in common clay pots in order that to show the supreme power belongs to God, not to us. We are so dependent on him, aren't we? So dependent on him. But if we, if we yield to him, 
we find that there's everything we need. If we, if we appropriate the promises he gives us, he promises us that everything we need pertaining to life and living a, a godly life is contained within those promises. If we, if we plug ourselves into the Spirit on a regular basis, you guys must be sick of me talking about this, but I'm going to keep talking about this. I'm going to be still talking about this when I can remember back 60 or 70 years. But this is, this is, folks, this is all we have. There isn't another option. This is the only power we have. This is the only capacity. Psychology won't work for us because it has no effect on, the, on dealing with the human nature. The only thing that can set us free from the law of the spirit of, of death, sin and death, is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's the only thing that has the capacity to do it. And so we, we sow into that and we, we are dependent on God. Let's stand. I'm going to ask the band to come back. I want to sing that song. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to let these guys lead you as we go out in triumph. Amen, Father. We thank you that you have called us to be not like normal people. God, you've called us with a purpose that together we would stand and declare your praises. Father, that we would change atmospheres by our praise. Firstly, in our own lives, but also in those around about us and that we together would move forward defying the law of gravity. Father, we remember today that you have equipped us with power. God, we realise that you've called us to make a choice and to reckon ourselves on your side. And Father, today, more than anything else, God, help us to run away from the things that would entice us. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.